oh, we had this dude like that in Burma. He was like, oh, you traveled for that amount of money? He was like, I traveled for so much cheaper through China. And we're like, how'd you do that? He's like, slept in caves. And I'm like, well, dude, I don't want to sleep in a fucking cave. Are you insane? This is the $5 Planet Travel Podcast. I'm Tomo. And I'm Megzi. And we bring you the formula to discover travel freedom. Step one, every Thursday, we'll show you how to travel the world in style, full time, for as little as $300 per person per month. Step two, every Monday, we interview digital entrepreneurs who reveal the methods to creating a location-independent online income. So subscribe on iTunes now and discover travel freedom for yourself with the $5 Planet Travel Podcast. This is Money Mondays, episode 010. In today's episode, award-winning travel writer Tim Leffel will help you understand how to make money from writing your own books and avoid mistakes most novice authors make. I'd say spend time on the front end more than anything, making sure that it's a book people really want to buy and that there's a market for it and think long and hard about that and about the title and the subtitle because I did one book that I did because I wanted to write the book and I thought there would be a demand for it, but I did not test that theory <laughs> before I went out there with it. And it didn't really do very well. It was through a traditional publisher. And so, you know, I got my advance and then that was the end of it. So I think the key is know your audience and know who you're marketing to and know that you can reach that audience. Tim also explains how multiple income streams and self-employment pretty much trump traditional jobs. You're much safer these days. It's being multi-skilled and plowing your own path than you are following that normal career path that your grandfather did. You are a lot less fragile if you have multiple streams of income or if you're self-employed like as a taxi driver even you're less fragile than you are as if you're working as a stockbroker where your income could go to zero if you get fired well hello everybody this is the news news time news, news time, news time. Da, 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 news so the biggest news this week our new ebook is out and it's free who would have thought a free ebook? <laughs> On the internet. Crazy. Of all places. How could this have happened? Well, uh, it did. And we put it out. And you can go and download it for free. We'll tell you where in just a minute. But first of all, I'm going to let you know, this book outlines our exact method of going from our old traditional consumer style lifestyle to a more minimalist location independent travel freedom lifestyle. In only 60 pages, you'll work out if this lifestyle thing is actually for you or if it's sort of not really the sort of stuff you're going to be interested in. Yeah. In five steps, actually. Well, yeah. Hence five the name. steps. We didn't say the name. I, oh, did we not say the we name? We did not say the name. So we're announcing a book and we didn't even mention the name. I know, we're bad at this. What's the name? Five steps to kickstarting your dream lifestyle. Ooh. That sounds all right, doesn't it? Five steps. That's all it takes. Yeah, and it's free. Easy. Did I mention it was free? Hmm. Free book. I'd have that. I would. If I would know. But, of course, there is way more to this book than just, you know, understanding the lifestyle. It's true. It's taken us almost three years in total to get where we are now, from where we initially conceived going off and trying to do this, to actually being here and earning some money and traveling the world super crazy cheap. But, of course, you don't want to take three years doing that, do you? So this is where our mistake was. We didn't actually figure out how to do this in the first place. We went and figured it out for ourselves. So we're going to share how we actually did it so you guys can get it done in a lot less than three years. A lot less. Hells for the hour. So... If this is so awesome, why are we giving it away for free? That's a good question. <laughs> I might not leave that in. That's silly. <laughs> that is a good question. Good uh, question, Meg. Let me yeah. let me continue. Yeah, yeah, I will. I will keep talking about this stuff. Yes. Yeah, this is a really important concept to understand, actually, for your own business. It's something you can apply on your own blog, on your own website, whatever you like. Um, if you've been on the internet at all in the last five years, you've probably noticed that a lot of people do give away free ebooks or reports so that you'll sign up to their email list. Yeah, which is so super important these days. And if you're not 100% convinced that you need an email list, there'll be more on that in later episodes. Uh, we also mentioned Aweber previously, which is what we use, and it's an awesome tool that helps you just get it done. Yeah, it organizes all your email stuff so that you, know, you don't have to worry about it. It does it automatically. I can use it. So, if I can use it, then it's easy. Yeah, it is easy. easy. Uh, but the point is, Sure, that's a really good reason to make people sign up. Oh, I get something free, I'll sign up. Great. But there's actually a lot more to this, and this is the part that people do miss, because they think it's just about getting people on the email list. Actually, it's about getting the people on the email list to start taking action and to start respecting what you're doing. So, the second main reason for giving away an ebook for free is to engage your readers and form a relationship. If they read it and they like it, then you're going to get their attention and their trust, which means they're in the future possibly going to become your customer, and they might even go and read more of your blog and possibly even listen to your podcast like this one. Indeed, indeed. So thirdly, your introductory product should give enough content 
to like get them excited to hook in the reader but also leave just a little bit so that they're wanting more and maybe needing your help from the email series to achieve that. Yes. Ba, so, ba, ba, ba. Exactly. So there's going to be more to it. It's not just the book. If you solve their problem completely, straight away, instantly, which to be honest with our book would be impossible because it took us three years to do this. If we could solve that in 60 pages, that'd be a fucking miracle, right? So yeah, but if you decide to put your ebook product out as being something that does just solve one simple problem, bam, done. The reader doesn't need you anymore. No. They might remember you and go, oh yeah, that was the guy who helped me out, which is good. That is also good. So, you know, don't, don't miss out on the fact that that is good. But if you've also left them wanting more, they're gonna keep coming back to you. And that's awesome. So this new book is going to help you out. Our book, Five Steps to Kickstarting Your Dream Lifestyle, as the title suggests, is a step-by-step -step guide to helping you achieve this sort of travel freedom lifestyle that we have. And by the time you finish reading this book, you will see, yes, this is for me, or no, actually, I'm probably just going to stay at home. And, Play video games. Yeah, I'm not really up for traveling the world and having quite an insane, exciting life. No. And the other most important thing is that it's going to be an action plan for your future. It really is set out in a very simple five-step way, you can see how we did it, the process, and you can actually apply that to your own life. Will you have the complete formula to travel freedom in 60 pages, Tom? Well, no, as I think I just mentioned just now, no, this is not your complete master plan, forever problem solved, never need to work again solution. What it is, is an introduction to our lifestyle and how you can do it yourself. Then you're going to have to do a bunch of other work to actually make it reality. But this will help get you there. It's yeah, gonna... it's a good start. Yeah. It's a really important start as well, because it's only 60 pages, it's only going to take you like an hour or a bit more to read. And so, you know, it's really simple. Within that time, you can go, yes, I am motivated. I want to get out there and I want to freaking do this. I don't want to go and work for the man anymore. No, nobody wants to do that. <laughs> but, you know, all of our, you know, ramblings aside and everything like that, we totally think you should go and get the ebook. Head to $5dollarplanet.com slash dream lifestyle and you're going to learn a shitload. Yeah. Because that's why you're listening to the podcast, so why not get the ebook and you'll learn even more? Essentially, the ebook's going to give you a bit of an insight into all of the main concepts we talk about in the podcast. The podcast is just going to be a more fun way to actually learn and to expand on those topics. Yeah. Yeah, which is pretty cool. So, you know, sign up. Get yourself a free ebook. That's what you want. Everyone wants ebooks. You know you want it. <laughs> Do you want it? I don't, I don't know. I'm always looking for oh, yeah. new stuff to read, especially free, that I find that quite helpful. Especially stuff that's going to change my freaking life. Yes. That's definitely the best stuff. There you go. If we haven't convinced you, we totally have yeah. convinced you. We have. I look forward to seeing your email from signing up to our ebook in my, uh, in my little inbox. I'll see you soon. Yeah. Do it. That link again is 5.com slash dream lifestyle. And that's the business news. So time to move on to other news. You know, last week we spoke about orange juice. Yeah, which that's was really important. good. This week, uh, Tom has pretty much spent the entire time trying to perfect a curry. Yeah, we're not kidding here. It's not just any old curry. This has actually taken me a full week. We've now eaten it. It was pretty tasty. Uh, when we were in Goa, we had this most amazing vindaloo. Oh my god, it's so good. Yeah, and it's nothing like the English vindaloo. If you've even had an English vindaloo, or maybe you've had it in America or Australia, I don't know. But it's normally this sort of fucked up version they do outside of India is just all chili. Whereas the original Goan version is sort of like this amazing blend of wine and vinegar. garlic and vinegar and it's just, wow, delicioso. So I wanted to give a try making it myself, but I wanted to get an authentic recipe for it because I tried and done it before and it really just tasted like any old curry. It didn't taste anything like what I had in Goa. No. Pretty dull really. So I found a recipe online on YouTube, in fact, and it took me seven days to make this curry. So oh my God, ridiculous. Even though after seven days of you like going through the whole process, it came out it, like it maybe wasn't exactly what the Goan curry tastes like, but it was still super tasty. You know, by the time that you did that entire process, you should have just taken pictures of it and entered it in the uh, World Nomads Passport and Plate competition. Oh, World Nomads competition, hey? Yeah. Maybe I should pretend I haven't heard about that and this is, uh, you know, this is completely new to me. No, but this is a really good competition. I would, I would totally enter it because I got this in my inbox the other day. And they were saying World Nomads has teamed up with Intrepid Travel and they're sending people to Sri Lanka. People? Humans? Three people, in fact. Three humans? Three humans will get the opportunity to go on a foodie extravaganza through Sri Lanka. And we haven't been to Sri Lanka and I'd like to go to Sri Lanka. And I heard the food there is really cool as well. Yeah, but I haven't actually bothered to do any work for this. So it's just like you have to take pictures of cooking a recipe or something or what? Yeah, but it can't be just like any recipe. So you take pictures of maybe like some awesome hand-me-down recipe that your granny had, like your granny's cheesecake or something. 
that was really good mm, for Christmas. Cheesecake. Or like, like when we did the the cooking class in South India, like if we redid that and took pictures of it along the way, then at least like, you know, the recipe that you're doing has a story and that's what they're looking for. Amazing stories, amazing pictures that like tell a tale through food. Ooh, food tale. Sounds awesome. So you're telling me that now we've actually eaten all the curry and didn't really bother taking photos of the process. Um, like, <laughs> yeah. this is what we should have done. Completely wasted time. You're going to have to do it again. It took me a week. Yeah. I'm not doing it again. You're going to start from scratch. You've got until the 6th of March to get it in. So chop, chop, back in the kitchen, cook that curry again, and take pictures of it this time. It's too late. Let somebody else win. All right. But uh, if anyone out there does want to enter the competition and go to Sri Lanka instead of us, I want to go, but if anyone else wants to go, uh, head to our show notes and we will have the link there that you can also enter this fantastic competition. Oh yeah, Sri Lanka, eat the curry time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As always, if you do need insurance when you go on the trip, because you're totally going to win it, right? Don't forget we've got 5% discount. Yeah, 5% on World Nomads, WN5DP, as in World Nomads $5 Planet. That is our cheeky discount code. Go, enter, win, and when you do, don't buy, die. Buy insurance with our discount code and we love you forever. Well, that is both the travel news and the business news. That's all the news that we have for today. So we're going to be jumping into our interview, which today is with Tim Leffel. Or Tim Leffel. Which, <laughs> which, sorry Tim. Uh, which today is with Tim Leffel, uh, author extraordinaire and aligns really well with what we do because he's written loads and loads of books all about moving abroad so that you live a much cheaper lifestyle. Better Life for Half the Price is his latest book, and we're going to jump straight into that interview because you're going to get a lot more content from that than from me dribbling on here. Tim Leffel has been quoted as a travel expert in the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Forbes, Boston Globe, and loads of others. Yeah, Tim's philosophy is really similar to what we discuss a lot on The Five Dollar Planet, so I think you guys are really going to be excited to hear what he says today. Yeah, I was just looking at his new book that he's bringing out, and a few of the, the lines of copy in there, when you read them, you go, well, I can actually do this and I want to achieve this. I'm just going to read something out to you that I've got right here. If you'd like to upgrade your life without giving up everything you like to do, it may just be a matter of changing your address. Also, if you want to extend your runway while setting up your business or location-independent self-employment, it's just a matter of going where the living is much cheaper. Yep, this is Travel Freedom. This is what we talk about, extending that runway so that you can actually afford to build your business over a longer period of time, giving yourself that time to achieve your business goals without running out of money. Okay, well, Tim is here right now. Welcome. Uh, on Skype. Hey, Tim, how's it going? Hey, good. Thanks for having me. No worries. Pleased to have you on the show. So tell us first just a little bit about yourself and your backgrounds. How come you're an entrepreneur in the first place and how did you get here? Sure. Well, I did do the corporate life for quite a while. I, when I got out of college, I was actually a music business major and I went to work for RCA Records in Nashville, Tennessee and New York City eventually. Did that for a lot of years and it was a fun job, especially when you're young and single. Um, but I met my wife-to-be uh, in New York and she said, eventually I'm going to go traveling around the world and I'm going to go whether you go with me or not. And I said, oh man, you know, I just bought this condo. I've got this job, you know, I'm, I've got good benefits. And, but anyway, I eventually got fired from my job because my boss and I hated each other Sweet. and she and her company uh, went out of business. And we said, well, if we were waiting for a sign, this is certainly it. And so we took off traveling around the world and ended up, it was supposed to be a one year trip. And we came back for a while and left for two more years. And taught English along the way, but also I started working as a travel writer. And this was back in the days when it was print only and I would, you know, mail in queries and get answers and get stuff published. So I started travel writing then. This is two decades ago and eventually, you know, kept doing it over time, but always on a part-time basis. And I took another corporate job when we got back for a tech company. But I guess about eight or nine years ago, I cut the cord and went full-time. And um, so now, I run about six websites and blogs and I do still do a fair bit of freelance work and I have books out that I make royalties on and so it all adds up to a decent amount but as you guys know you have to hustle and add a lot of income streams together but I am a full-time writer and editor. And you are in one of our favorite countries at the moment, you're off, uh, living in Mexico. I am. I, I kind of go back and forth because I have a daughter who's now 14 and the education kind of makes things complicated. But we have a house in Guanajuato, Mexico in the Central Highlands and I'm looking out right now, blue skies and sun and it's a beautiful day. And we, uh, it's usually a beautiful day here. <laughs> and, uh, we're, we're at 6,000 feet so it's not all that hot. It's pretty nice all year long. And yeah, I like it here. And obviously my expenses are far lower here than they are in the United States. And I'm not even in a big city there, but I Tampa, Florida is kind of a middle of the road kind of city, but still it's 
easily twice as expensive as where I live here in Mexico. Yeah, and I think something that you're doing is slightly different from what we're doing. Of course, at the moment, we're pretty much nomadic. But we do want to point out to listeners that this travel freedom lifestyle doesn't mean you have to travel full time. And what Tim is doing is he's chosen a country that's much cheaper to live in and is just staying there full time or most of the time. And it gives him the advantage of not having those huge expenses. So his business doesn't need to make as much money for him to have that profit. Right. And I'm not you know, a full-time nomad these days with a family, but we do take off pretty often and travel within Mexico as a family, which is kind of nice. You know, since we're here, we try to take good advantage of it and hop on a bus or a plane and go somewhere else in the country. Yeah. And you when, can do that because your business can continue to run if you move around. That's the benefit right. of this sort of business. Yes. Travel freedom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems like it's such a good lifestyle and we know that it's great and you know that it's great, but why is it, do you think that more people are not picking up everything and exploring this sort of life. Well, I'm sure you guys have heard this from friends and relatives that often say, oh, I wish I could travel more. All the time. Really, they could, you know, tomorrow if they wanted to. They just have their priorities out of whack. If it's a priority to you, you'll find a way to do it. If it's not number eight or nine on your list behind your pets and your three cars and your big house and your, you know, new TV and everything else, then it's not going to get done. And most people are just far too focused on the stuff that they yeah. have in their life. And they think travel is expensive also because the only time they travel is that one week a year or two weeks a year when they go on vacation. And when they do it, they stay at an expensive hotel and fly somewhere and spend $300 a day while they're there. And of course, you guys know, you know, a couple of days of that would be enough to get by for a whole month if you yeah, travel long term. <laughs> yeah, we've got the budget data to prove it as well because we've been tracking all our expenses over the last two years. And we yeah. get by on about $1,400 a month and that's traveling everywhere, fun places, going out a lot. Right. And I'm sure in your guys' travels, you meet people all the time that are far from wealthy. I mean, they saved up money as a school teacher or as a waitress or a construction worker or whatever, and they're out traveling for two months. And, you know, if they can make it happen, then your white collar friends who have a, you know, <laughs> really good job could certainly do it. Yeah, it does surprise us that not more people get into it. But one thing that I've found that's sort of strange, apart from people not understanding how or why we're having this lifestyle, some of them even seem to hold some sort of resentment towards us for enjoying our life in this way, rather than going out and changing the way they live so that they can have the same experience. Do you find that same problem as well? Or is it just me? No, I do. And I think it's even worse in the United States because we have this sort of puritanical work hard and get ahead in life kind of history, you know, that's it's sort of ingrained in us that and that's part of the reason we have such a crappy vacation policy, you know, only the most progressive companies will give you more than two and a half weeks a year, you know, or you have to have been there forever you know, for a few decades before you get a third week or a fourth week. So yeah. I think that's a lot of it. People have just had it pounded into their heads that the way you get ahead of, in life is you get a good, you know, you work your butt off at school, you get a good education, you get good grades, and then you get into good college and then you get good grades and you graduate. Then you go get a good job and you work hard and move your way up. And that's how you succeed in life. And it's the American dream. <laughs> it is a, allegedly the American dream. And these days I have to say, is it is it still the American dream? People are still clinging on to that rather than having an experience-based lifestyle, as we call it, rather than a material-based lifestyle. Well, actually, yeah. we stole that from uh, James Woolman from Stuffocation, which is a new book that's just come out. But listeners should check out, and you should check out if you haven't heard yeah, it. Yeah, sounds good. I would like to check that out. But yeah. yeah, I think it's finally starting to sink in with people that, you know, maybe that's not the key to happiness. And maybe that, that formula doesn't work as well as it used to either. You're much safer these days, it seems, being multi-skilled and kind of plowing your own path than you are following that normal career path that your grandfather yeah. did, you know? It's yeah. fair to say if you've got multiple revenue streams, which is really what this sort of business is based around, if one of those revenue streams dies, you're not completely screwed. You can rely on the other ones until you can get another one going to replace that income. Right. And I'm reading a book right now called Anti-Fragile. It's by the guy who wrote Black Swans. And it's about, part of it is about that. Like you are a lot less fragile if you have multiple streams of income or if you're self-employed like as a taxi driver even you're less fragile than you are as you, if you're working as a stockbroker where your income could go to zero if you get fired and yeah. you know or laid off and so actually you know he has three different stages he calls it fragile robust and anti-fragile and if you're anti-fragile you can actually benefit from things going wrong elsewhere and from chaos things like that and so in the writing world that's kind of true um the example I, I used recently was if you're a editor at a magazine, you can get fired and your income's going to go to zero. But if you're a freelancer, well, hey, that opens up more positions, you know, for freelancers. And exactly. so it can be actually be a good thing with all these editors getting fired. So <laughs> it, it depends on uh, it depends on your outlook and your position. Yeah. And so it's not always just about having the money income. What you're talking about in your latest book, A Better Life for Half the Price, is how it's just so much cheaper to live in a lot of destinations than what it is to live in the Western world. 
Yeah, it's ridiculously cheaper in some cases. And I think most people don't realize that either. I think people that haven't traveled much, you know, whether they're in England or Australia or U.S. or wherever, I think they kind of tend to think that it's either black or white. You know, the country's dirt poor and everybody's starving. You know, it's Ethiopia and the famine days <laughs> or, you know, everything's great and you're living in Europe or the U.S. And But there's a whole lot of middle ground there where people are living normal lives and are reasonably happy and have a roof over their head and they're well fed. But it's just a cheaper country. And, you know, Mexico is a great example. It's only one country down from the U.S., but it's a whole lot different than the U.S. or Canada in terms of cost. And then if you keep going further south to Guatemala or Nicaragua, it can get cheaper still. And so you can live in those places and live quite comfortably and have most of what you had at home if you really want and just do it for half the price. So what are some of the major bustling like nomadic, well, not nomadic, sorry, uh, digital entrepreneur communities that are out yeah, there the today? hubs, the places yeah, that the- other entrepreneurs are hanging out. Where is it all happening? You kind of have to go down to South America, honestly. Medellin is a is a hub, and I would say Buenos Aires is a hub, and Santiago, Chile, but it's not that cheap there, actually. But they've been running an entrepreneurship program there for many years where they actually bring entrepreneurs in and put them up. And it's sort of like a, I don't know, I guess you would call it a, it's a growth strategy for them, but it's it's kind of one of those hubs where they put people in the in the same place and hope they'll grow a good business and they actually fund it. And so that's pretty progressive. Wow. But I think around the world, there's a whole bunch of them in Asia, like Saigon, Ho Chi Minh City's probably the biggest right now in terms of entrepreneurs setting up shop. And there are a lot in Chiang Mai and some in Bali, although the internet is pretty crappy there too as well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Kuala Lumpur and Penang in Malaysia, I think there are a lot there. And then, you know, it just you have people scattered all over the place. It depends on what kind of business you're running. I mean, I would like to have more people to bounce off ideas off of and just kind of collaborate with and that kind of thing. But I feel like it's easy enough to do that virtually these days that I don't have to necessarily be in a physical location with people and got assistance from multiple countries and it's not really hard to get that going. So there are some advantages to hubs, but um, I don't know. I, I don't really want to live in Ho Chi Minh City. I know it's, uh, <laughs> it's a great uh, <laughs> great fountain of entrepreneurship right now but you know it's not my kind of place yeah okay well it's something that's good to get facetime though i mean we see the value in getting facetime but i guess if you're established enough already you've already got lots of those contacts but maybe for someone who's just starting out would you say that going to a hub is actually quite a good idea yeah, probably so. And um, incubator was the uh, word I was trying to look for before. Um, oh, yeah. the, what they're doing, what they're doing in Santiago, they set up these incubators, and so there's sort of an informal incubator structure in a lot of those places where you can easily find graphic artists and programmers and WordPress people and all that in a physical location. So you can get a business going and talk to people face to face and designers and all of that. So there is an advantage there for sure, and you can avoid a lot of mistakes if you can interact with people who are have already tried what you've done and have failed in some way and have learned their lesson and can tell you, can tell you how to avoid those mistakes. Oh, we've been uh, learning a lot of lessons recently. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, actually, one of the big things is that we've recently just started outsourcing to people and we've had people tell us about this for ages and we were like, oh, but we just don't want to send out our creative control to other people. They might not do it right. And then you realize that there are some amazingly talented people that are there to help you run your business. And they don't have to be sitting in that room with you. They're in the Philippines or they're in Bangladesh or they're in Romania. And there's just so many people on these outsourcing websites that can help your business thrive. Yeah. Do you use outsourcing yourself? I do constantly. Pretty much every week I hire somebody to do something, I think. So, you know, logos or WordPress fixes or installing a new theme or things like that. I mean, if you try to do all that stuff yourself or a Kindle conversion, you know, of a book, you can spend hours and hours and hours on it and get so frustrated and just ruins your whole day. And and you could be spending that time doing something that's really core to your business. And so I outsource basically anything that somebody else can do better and cheaper <laughs> than I can. And so, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like my job is to be an editor and content creator and sort of the strategist for my business and all that little piddly stuff. I mean, I can code HTML if I really have to, but somebody else can do it a lot better yeah, and faster. Why would you want to? Yeah, well, if I mean, you don't have to, why would you want to? It's good to know how it works, but yeah. I don't think I don't think I need to be the one actually sitting down for you know eight hours and banging it out. So <laughs> I would rather consuming. free up that time to do something more productive, or just to free up that time to have time. You know, just to yeah. spend drink it. a beer on the Mexican yeah. sunshine. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That Hang out in the really plaza good. and uh, do nothing for a while. That sounds a lot better than doing HTML coding, actually. <laughs> yeah. uh, yes, <laughs> I, I could go a beer right now. Although the sun's gone away, it's cloudy here in Portugal right now. It's a shame. It's it first cloudy day. Every other day. Yeah, though. first cloudy day in over a week. Really yeah. frustrating. But this is the thing. If it gets cloudy, we can go and move to another town. That's the benefit of this yeah, location we'll independence. We don't have to sure. stick around in the bad weather. If it gets bad, we go somewhere better. So okay. how's the internet in Portugal? Amazing. Like this is oh, the good. this is like Korea plus speeds. It's wow. We're getting about fifty megabytes a second. 
Because in that book I just put out, A Better Life for Half the Price, Portugal is one of the countries in there. It's definitely the best bargain in Western Europe. Yeah, yeah I totally saw that. And for us booze hounds who love our wine and, and the port of Portugal, it's, uh, it's super cheap here. You can get like a liter of wine at a restaurant for like less Five than... Five euros. Yeah. So that's yeah. about seven US dollars perhaps in a restaurant, a nice little restaurant, local place. Yeah, I was happily surprised when I was there. It's really reasonable. Yeah, overall, it's been really cheap so far. So it's definitely a good place for entrepreneurs to come if they need to save some money whilst building their business. Totally. But speaking of your book, Better Life for Half the Price. So I think the title probably gives it away from what we've been talking about already. But maybe you can uh, give listeners a little bit of a rundown on the topics that are going to be covered in the book. Sure. Well, it's sort of broken into different parts. And the first one is sort of why you would do this and are you cut out for it? Uh, are you uh, ready for it? And then just some things to think about uh, as far as working and families and all that kind of thing. And then uh, there are 18 countries in there that are profiled in detail where you can easily cut your expenses in half by living in one of these places. And then there are a few sort of honorable mentions at the end that are also worth considering. They're just maybe not in that top tier. And then the last part is just sections on, uh, you know, getting a job abroad or, or making your own job abroad and uh, what you do with your pets, what to do about education for your kids, if you have any, and that kind of thing. And so it's meant to be a real hands-on primer and also a hype-free book because the big criticism of publications like International Living and the website Live and Invest Overseas is, first of all, they have, they have some inherent conflicts of interest. They're really promoting, you know, real estate where they've got a piece of the action or agents that they are getting a kickback from and things like that. But also there's a lot of hype without a lot of uh, reality based negatives in there because they've got seminars to sell and things like that. And so I tried to be very honest in this book. And even at the front of each country chapter, there's a pros and cons part for each chapter because there's no perfect place out there where everything's rosy and where you live now, that's not the case. And so it's not going to be the case where you would go either. So it's good to know up front what your negatives would be so that you can determine whether you can live with those or not, because there are negatives everywhere in each country. And it's just a matter of which ones you can live with and which ones you can't. Going to take a quick break from Tim Leffel's interview. He'll be back in just a minute. But right now, it's our usual Monday segment, our Monday tool. Is that like a tool noise? Sure. Like a drill. I don't know. Anyway, this this particular one is a widget, and I don't know anything about this stuff, so I'm going to hand over to Tom, and I'm shutting up right now because I've got no freaking idea. Yeah, I get to do all this stuff on the website. She doesn't have to do any of it. He it's not it. really very fair, is it? He loves it. Uh, I'm going to talk to you very quickly about an incredibly useful plugin that I found a little while back. It's the Q2W3 fixed widget. And over the years, you've probably noticed that if you've got a sidebar on a website or if you go to other people's websites, you've just got this impression that, ah, it's just gonna have ads in it. So people have started to subconsciously ignore those sidebars. They're not as powerful as they were a few years ago. But the thing is with the Q2W3 fixed widget, it's a really simple plugin that just jumps in and means that your sidebar sign-up boxes or whatever else you have, they actually, they pause, so they are become fixed. It's really that simple. Do you, do you know anything I'm talking about here? Yeah, yeah, it's the one where like, as you're scrolling down, you can still see the ad on the side of the page. It just doesn't disappear. Yeah. So you're like, oh, wait, why is that following me? Yeah, the ads are following you. Yeah. And when someone starts following you, you start to take a bit of notice. Yeah, I think I tend to notice them a lot more because otherwise they just scroll out, they're gone. That's yeah. it. You get to the bottom of the page and you don't see any more, it's not there anymore. But if it scrolls down with you, you're like, Oh wait, I finished reading this. Oh, what was that again? That yeah. grabbed my attention. That looked pretty. So oh, something shiny. It's not creepy. It's actually quite effective. Yeah. So yeah. No, it's not it. like you're being stalked by an ex-boyfriend or anything. No, just an ex-ad. Yeah. But you thought you'd scrolled past it. Oh, leave but it's alone. still so relevant in your life that you need to have it. So relevant. Anyway, that's the Q2W3 fixed widget. Jump on WordPress and download it and make your sidebar more effective. Okay, time to get back to Tim Leffel. Well, before we get on to travel writing which we are definitely interested in asking you about. We've got a couple more questions about people who are maybe umming and ahhing about this lifestyle, whether they're going to do it. You know, we want to tip them over the edge with this podcast. That's sort of what we're all about. We want to motivate people to go, yes, this is something I can achieve. This is something I want to achieve. One of the common questions that people have, I think, is if they're going to just move everything abroad, what are they going to do with all the stuff that they had? And what are they going to do about all the family and friends they're leaving behind? Sure. Well, the, the stuff, people usually take one of three actions, either sell everything and, and go with their backpack and, and they don't have, no, don't have any possessions anymore, which is you know, a, lot, a lot of people do that. And 
you know, the other extreme is you put everything you have in storage and, and it's all there when you come back. And there's also a middle ground too, where you can sell all the big stuff, the furniture and the cars and everything else. And then you just keep your prized possessions either at a relative's house or in a very small storage unit. And then you start over again. If you decide to move back later, you know, you buy new furniture and you get a new bike and whatever. So people tend to get so attached to their stuff, but you know, really, if you thought of the things that you would really cry about, if you lost, usually, you know, photographs and certificates from something you won and maybe your, you know, your old yearbooks, it's memory stuff. It's not necessarily that specific couch. <laughs> yeah. And those memories are things that you can keep inside your mind. And that's one thing we're doing traveling so much. And living elsewhere is we're creating new memories as yeah. well as keeping the old ones. Sure. Friends and family thing is not much, is not as much of an issue as it used to be, because you can certainly do video calls, Jetson style with your old friends and family, and you can keep in touch on Facebook and everything else. It's much easier than it used to be in the pre-internet days. Yeah, that's yeah, true. So much yeah. easier. Well, what else should we talk about? We met at TBEX, the Travel Bloggers Conference. We did. And I believe when we were there, you were talking about your other previous book, The Cheapest Destinations. And so yes. the, the Better Life for Half the Price is sort of an, an update for this. Is it a replacement or is it sort of a completely different book, really? No, that's separate. Um, the World's Cheapest Destinations is in its fourth edition, and probably next year I'll put out a fifth. First, I have to update Travel Writing 2.0, which is getting a little old. It was sort of written as an evergreen book, so it's not all that out of date, but just some things have changed in the meantime, and so I'm going to update that this year. But yeah, The World's Cheapest Destinations is kind of a perennial travel book for people taking off for long-term travel. If you want to travel around the world and you're not sure which places are affordable. It's just kind of a planning guide more than anything, just to let you know, you know, these are the places where you're going to get the most for your money. And I don't know if you guys have ever spent any time on the Lonely Planet message board, but it's kind of funny. People will come up with these itineraries and say, um, I'm planning to go to Iceland, Switzerland, Norway, Luxembourg, and then fly over to Japan and then go to Chile. And is $800 a month going to be enough? <laughs> oh Whoops. I mean, we're good at cheap travel, but you know, there's limits. <laughs> yeah, of course. And, and so I'm just trying to show people, you know, if your budget is limited or you just want to get the most for your money, these are the places to go. And there's just kind of a general description of each place, why you would go there. And then an idea of what the general costs are in terms of accommodation and food and transportation and, and that. It's kind of funny when you're talking about people's perceptions of costs. I mean, sometimes it's hard for people to believe that things are that cheap. And then I'll get some people going, well, I did it for cheaper than that. And it's like, all right, well, good for you. You know, Oh, we had this dude like that in Burma. He was like, oh, you travel for like... Oh, you traveled for that amount of money? He was like, I traveled for so much cheaper through China. And we're like, how'd you do that? He's like, slept in caves. And I'm like, well, dude, I don't want to sleep in a fucking cave. <laughs> yeah. We called him Captain America. He was just one of those guys that wore a second-hand like army in his early 20s, but acting as if he's the world traveler knowledge yeah. on everything. We're like, all right, man, give it another 10, 20 years and then come back to us on this. Because like, <laughs> we already do this for a lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, like, some people are just insufferable. Yeah, uh, it happens. It happens. But it's good that he is traveling because hopefully he will come back in five or 10 years and go, shit, man, I was such a douchebag when I was 21. <laughs> and now I've right. sort of traveled around and gone, oh, the world's a bit different from what I thought it was. <laughs> but it's all right. I'm not trying to insult 21 year olds. If you're listening, please go out and travel and, and don't worry if you're Just saying don't be, silly things. Don't douchebags too much. Yeah. You might not yeah. know. We all did it. We were douchebags yeah, we when were douchebags. we were 21 as well, you know? Yeah. That's just how it happens. That's life. <laughs> and that old, that old geezer in the gray beard may have something worth listening to. So. So, uh, you never know. <laughs> Find it more and more as I age. Yeah. <laughs> People older than me are actually wiser than me, which I didn't believe when I was a teenager. Oh, right. it's the circle of life. Yeah, slowly learning these things. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about actually writing books because this might be something that other people might be interested in getting into. And as you said, you started out in the olden days where you had to print it, and which was much, much harder to get a yeah. book out in getting those days. Getting a publisher, having to get some sort of funding to have the books printed, yeah. I'm guessing it's... That's old school. I, I don't even have to deal with that anymore. No, these days we have ebooks and technology's come a really long way since then. So, do you have any sort of tips that you have, the good programs that you use? Because, I mean, most people these days aren't sitting down in front of Word. In front of a, type, a typewriter. typewriter. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe some people still are using a typewriter, but yeah, what Just do you use to create ebooks? What's your workflow with that? What's the best way for people to get into writing an ebook and making it easier for themselves if they're a first time writer? Sure. Well, to back up a bit, that old system does still exist. And, you know, you can get a traditionally published book out there. But for most people, I wouldn't recommend that because it's really, for, first of all, you don't make much money. I mean, you generally get an advance and then you don't make any royalties until that advance is paid back. And the advance for a travel book, especially, is going to be pretty paltry. You know, I'm talking like two, three, four thousand dollars a lot of times. And you can easily make that on your own very quickly if you're 
handling everything yourself. And so I would say the only reason these days to get a traditionally published book out there is if you're doing it for to support your business rather than to actually create something that's going to make money. So for example, if you're a speaker, you know, or you're the CEO of a company, then you should have a traditionally published book because it looks you know, it has more prestige, I guess you would say. Yeah, a bit more credibility perhaps. Do a better job of getting into bookstores. And so if you care about that, then it makes yeah. sense to go the traditional route. These days, I don't think that matters too much. I mean, it used to matter a lot, but unless you've got the kind of book that's going to be in airport bookstores, I don't think most people are going to see yeah. it anyway. But I guess and on the flip so, side, you don't want to be walking around your conference, like handing out memory sticks to everyone going. Just give them a download link. <laughs> it's it's yeah, that yeah. easy now. Who's handing out memory well, sticks? Well, you're so 2013. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, and there's sort of a few different elements to this. You can still do a physical book by yourself as well, very easily. There are print-on-demand publishers, POD publishers out there, or you can just go directly to Amazon, which is what I did with this latest book. And so you can put it out there as a Kindle book and or a print book. And it's a pretty simple process. But as far as the writing goes, I just bang everything out and, you know, I don't really concentrate too much on making it pretty. I just make it formatted correctly. And because I think with eBooks, especially if you're reading it on a Kindle, graphics don't tend to work too well. And so I don't normally use a lot of those, but I do use a program called Scrivener. It's S-C-R-I-V-E-N-E-R. That's and what I use. Yeah, there's a bit of a learning curve to it. And I actually heard an interview with this guy recently who designed a course on how to use Scrivener and he's making tons of money because it's frustrating to figure it out at first. But I I think it's a great program. It's mostly meant for fiction authors, but it works really well for nonfiction too, just because you can move things around really easily. Basically, each chapter is a tab, but it's all in one program. I'm even using Scrivener to help build a course at the moment. Like it's so easy to keep my course notes for each section organized. So it's not even for an ebook. It's just great for organization. I actually really love it. Yeah. And so everything's a tab. And so it's very easily easy to see what you're doing at once and move stuff around. And so I like that. I'll probably use it from now on for everything. But, you know, as far as the writing process, I mean, people do need to understand that writing a book is really hard. I mean, it's not something you can just knock out on the weekend. You know, it's going to be months of your time. And if you want to do it right you're going to have to spend that much time editing it too and getting it ready for prime time. And then you're going to have to hire somebody to proofread it because you're going to miss half of your typos. (laughs) Then you got to, you know, then you got to get somebody to uh, format it for Kindle if you are not techie enough to do that yourself. And so there are, you know, some steps in there. You have to lay out a little money if you're publishing your own book to do things like that and to get a good cover design so it looks professional and, and those kind of things. But, you know, in the end, we're talking a few hundred dollars, not thousands and thousands, you know, so it's not a big expense to get it done these days. And the, the software is good. And, you know, there are plenty of people out there ready and willing to help you out for a good price. I'd say spend time on the front end more than anything, making sure that it's a book people really want to buy and that there's a market for it and think long and hard about that and about the title and the subtitle because that's what's going to really determine whether it sells or not. The marketing is going to matter a lot in the end, but I think that upfront part's pretty is super important. And I actually learned from my mistake once I did one book that I did because I wanted to write the book and I thought there would be a demand for it, but I did not test that theory <laughs> before I went out there with it. And it didn't really do very well. It was through a traditional publisher. And so, you know, I got my advance and then that was the end of it. It's called uh, Make Your Travel Dollars Worth a Fortune. And it was originally called The Contrarian Traveler, but the publisher changed it. But the whole idea of the book <laughs> is for people that don't travel much, like we were talking about at the top of the program, this was a book for them to tell them how to do it right and how to get the best deal every time and how to, um, really get the most out of their travels without spending a fortune. But the problem is it's hard to reach those people because they don't travel much. And so um, it did not sell as well as I thought it would. So I think the key is know your audience and know who you're marketing to and know that you can reach that audience. So for me, you know, with this cheap travel blog I run, it's called the Cheapest Destinations blog and it's been up since 2003 and I've got a pretty big email list. And so I've automatically got people I can market to and I know what they want because I can see the comments. I can see which posts are most popular. So if you're a blogger, you kind of already have a big lead on somebody who doesn't have something like that because you've got built-in market research already. Yeah, I mean, we actually talk about blogging a lot on this show because obviously we make most of our money through blogging and things that are connected to our blog. How important is it for someone who's starting an online business in 2015 to have a blog as well as whatever business plan they have? Well, it depends on... I mean, I wouldn't say it's right for everybody because it depends on what kind of business you're running. You know, if you're on a hazardous waste disposal site, maybe you don't need a blog, you know, <laughs> there's not much to talk about. But if it's something that people are going to be interested in, then yes, because that's a, such an easy way to build up an audience. And it's also a way to build authority if you do know what you're talking about and you have something to say on the subject. And it's almost like leaving money on the table if you don't do that, because you're going to pull in search traffic eventually. It takes a while, but you're going to pull in search traffic and it's going to help your social media efforts and they'll feed off each other. Your social media will help the blog, your blog will help social media. And so if you own a business of any kind, that can really create a nice virtuous circle there. So 
I think it is important if you have the kind of business that lends itself to that and you have something to say on the subject, hopefully a lot to say. Let's talk about money because I know everyone listening wants to make money. That's the number one thing that I think almost every person that listens to this will have. And well, it is Money Monday. (laughs) And it is Money Mondays. It's our Money Monday show where we we should not just talk about strategies, but actually about how this relates to your wallet and your bank balance. So for the typical author getting out there, we've seen a lot of people on Amazon who've released a book and it's made them like $50 a month. And they go away going, oh, I've only made $50 a month. I can't live off that. Now, obviously, what you've said so far is you've got to really plan what sort of book you're releasing to make sure it's something people actually want. But once you have figured out what people want, how do you get it out there so you actually start making money from this book? Yeah, well, there's probably a classic mistake there that a lot of people make is they think they're just going to put this book out and voila, it's going to sell. You know, And I've heard some authors say that it's 10% writing, 90% marketing in order to succeed because you do have to really think about the launch and how you're going to get people's attention and then how you're going to sustain attention for it. And you know, if you have a blog, that's great. That's a mouthpiece. And you know, if you have an email list and whatever, but you're going to have to reach beyond your core audience to get it out to more people. And so that could, be, that could mean guest posting. It could mean Facebook ads. It could be making sure you've got reviews right off the bat because that's what Amazon really cares about sales and reviews and so you know you've all seen that thing if you like this then you might like that or when you pull up a book it has three other recommendations under it well those don't happen by accident you know those happen because Amazon has seen sales patterns that cause them to do that or they see that there are a lot of reviews for the book and so they say oh okay well people are talking about this so you got to be thinking about all those things and there are you know, all kinds of books and articles out there you can learn from on how to um, launch a book successfully. But, you know, I've never had one that's like blown out of the park the first week. You know, some people really plan to do that and really work hard on it, but I've got too much else going on and I can't just put you know a month's worth of work into launching a book. But some people do and it works out very well. If you really want to sell big numbers on a book, you really have to think big and think how you're going to get the word out to millions of people, not just your, you know, 5,000 blog readers. Yeah. So, I mean, you'd say there's definitely plenty of space in the market. You've just got to find the right idea. This is still a really thriving business. Is it becoming easier now because of all the online books that like anyone can now do it? Or is it just absolutely full of crap and people are getting pissed off with all the, of these people releasing books that are awful? Yeah, well, I think you have to have some proven authority and people have to believe you, you know, that you know what you're talking about. And it does have to be a well-written book. I mean, if people people open up your book and, and it sucks, they're going to tell everybody about it. They're going to write bad reviews on Amazon. And, or if you haven't framed it properly, if you make people think it's one kind of book and then they read it and it's really something else, they're going to savage you in the reviews and say, this is not what I paid my nine ninety nine for. I got robbed. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, people aren't paying much money, but they're pissed off when they spend it and they don't get what they want. That's happening so, more and more these days. It's absolutely insane. And even just like in the news, it's like, oh, you know, you won't believe this man lived in a whale. And it's like... <laughs> He didn't. It didn't even happen. It's, he's was living in an amusement park. He worked in an amusement park part time, and yeah, it's a, it's the BuzzFeed effect. Yeah, yeah exactly. I can't tell you how many news stories I've read in the last year. It's to the point where I now don't want to read news stories anymore. Where the headline is like, "Yeah, magic mushroom explodes on the New York City Tower or something," and then actually it's just a completely made up crap. You read it like. Oh, no, none of this actually happened. That was just a headline. We're just confirming none of this happened. It was just for fun, the headline, and we won't get sued now. Like, seriously? What? How can they get away with this? They're uh, (laughs) pitching to the lowest common denominator, just trying to get you to click and get people to spread it on Facebook. Then you you click on it, and if you actually read it, you go, this is crap. So I'm not going to share this. No, but you want to be able to, like, take your click back. Yeah, I want to take my yeah. click back. I want my click back. I want my reverse click. Yeah. Surely their, their bounce rate must be terrible on things like that. I know, you got to think. People are sharing content purely based on headlines these days. That's the problem. And we see a lot of people curating content on their Twitter accounts and their Facebook accounts. They haven't read the article. they got no idea what the article's about. Yeah, they just go, oh, that headline is cool. I'll share that. Yeah. And yeah, I've read it's something like 19 out of 20 retweets. People haven't even read the article. You know, they just retweet yeah. it. And so that shows you why traffic is so lousy from Twitter and you shouldn't spend too much time on there. Yeah. But, you know, back to the ebook thing, there are people selling books for $40, you know, ebooks for $40 and they're getting it and getting it over and over and over again because people are seeing the value in it and it's worth it. But obviously you got to do something pretty spectacular and be giving people some really valuable knowledge that's going to change their life. You can't just uh, be telling them, you know, how to find a good hostel in Amsterdam for that kind of money. You know, 
you have to be showing them how to make money or how to better their life. There's a concept like similar to what you're saying that you shouldn't call it an ebook. If you want to sell it for more, you've got to market it up as a exclusive report or blueprint to freedom. Like, don't call things ebooks anymore because people think an ebook is worth less than twenty dollars. It devalues it. It devalues sure. the product. Do you, do you go with that? Because I mean, you're still calling yourself an author as such, so you're obviously sticking yeah. with the ebook thing. I'm still calling it a book, but like with the latest one, I um I have a dedicated website for the book, and I actually offer some higher priced packages as well that include lots of extras, and they include a private community that's a private Facebook group, and some conference calls and webinars, th- those kinds of things. So I think if you can add value somehow, then it's more of a package as opposed to just you know read this book and be done with it. So and I think that works pretty well. I've seen that in all kinds of genres, different subject matter where people say, okay, if you don't have a lot of money, here's this book, and I'm I'm still calling it a book. <laughs> for this amount, or you can step up to this next tier and get some more help, or you can step up to this really high tier and get me one-on-one, you know, my expertise specific to your situation. And so I think if you have authority in a certain niche, you can really play off that and think beyond just a 998 ebook and actually make more from it, selling it directly to the people who are already sort of pre-qualified for that. So in terms of writing, a slightly separate question, I guess you see a lot of people on the internet who started blogging that want to sort of make money writing, some of them maybe start looking at freelance writing and others are looking at writing an ebook. I mean, what would be your thoughts on which is the best way to actually make money? Is it a complete nightmare to get into freelancing? Is it even worth the effort? Or should people stick with ebooks? What's the best way for a new writer? What, how can they decide what to do? Well, back to that multiple streams of income thing, I think it's the best to just kind of try things out and see what's working. And, you know, I still freelance and I, it's not because it makes me tons of money, but it's just, you know, another income source. And I do like to keep my hand in that, that game. So I'm not just writing for my own sites all the time. And, you know, it's nice to get a $500 check from somebody that's in one shot. And so I think it's worth doing. It is it is work. You know, you got to be selling yourself. Basically, you got to pitch ideas to editors and sell them on your ideas and on yourself. So um, that does scare people. It's a lot harder than just throwing up a blog post on your own site and hoping people come read it. But it can be a lot more lucrative and it's not advertising based. So I think it's always better to have your your income streams kind of separated into different baskets because you don't want to be totally reliant on advertising because as everybody saw who used to sell links, there used to be sidebar links and then people yeah. used to sell li- links in the post. And that was big business for a while before the Google Panda and Penguin penalty started raining down on everyone. And so, um, you know, people got really used to that income stream and then it went away almost overnight. I mean, it felt like it, it was maybe it took a month or two, but it went away all of a sudden. And so people that were getting a hundred percent of their income from that were just, you know, some of them just completely quit after that. They stopped blogging because all of their income had gone away. So I think it's important to not be reliant on one stream that is as broad as not being reliant on just advertising or not being reliant on just freelancing or just book royalties. I think it's important to have a little bit of everything in the mix so that if one goes away, you're not dead. You know, you're just a little crippled for a while. <laughs> you can you can recover yeah. from that. Well, one final question for you today. As it's 2015, it's the year of Back to the Future. What uh, piece of advice, if you could go back to the beginning and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? You know, I actually kind of think I would go back and give myself the advice to do what I did because from the beginning, after I had this first blog and it started doing pretty well, I started branching out and starting other websites. And I think people get too locked into this is my blog, this is my identity, this is everything that I'm about. And they don't think beyond that to other options or they try to cover like eight different subjects with their blog instead of maybe splitting one of those ideas off onto its own site. So what I've done is looked at, you know, where is there a hole in the market and something that's not being done that should be done. And so I started practical travel gear because of that. I I got tired of reading all these reviews of like $5,000 skis and, you know, $20,000 $20,000 watches and stuff like that. And I was thinking, who in the hell is buying this stuff? Not not anybody I know. And so I started this site called Practical Travel Gear where I just reviewed um, real items that real travelers would carry with them that didn't cost a fortune. And first it was just me. And then eventually I, I brought in some other writers and made it a bigger thing. And then I did that with this other luxury site that I run. It's about Latin America, which nobody was writing about at the time. And so I've just kind of looked for holes in the market and filled them. And I think that's the advice I would give to myself if I went back again, because it's worked pretty well. And so don't just necessarily start a blog or start a website based on what you think would be fun, but maybe look at what is not being, what audience is not being served already and serve that audience because it's a lot easier to monetize and promote a niche site than it is to promote one that's about everything in the kitchen sink. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's true. You've got to, got to get the thing that you're good at, but you've got to combine that with what people actually want to read. Yeah. That's exactly what we were talking about last week, actually. It's a really important concept. Yeah. 
Cool. Okay. okay. Well, well, this is the end. The end of it. But we better let everybody know. Uh, so you, as we discussed, your latest book out is A Better Life for Half the Price. Where yeah. can people find well, it? Well, we've actually got a link for that. It's uh, $5planet.com slash better life. You can just hop on there straight that. away and it just shoots in there and it'll take you over to Tim's site. Excellent. So just follow that. And then um, as far as where people can find me, my name is Tim Leffel, L-E-F-F-E-L. And there are not many Tim Leffels out there. So I'm easy to find that name on Twitter and Google Plus and all of that stuff. So you can find me with that name or there's a website, portfolio site, timleffel.com. And that links out to everything too. Cool. Excellent. Perfect. Cool. Thanks for dropping by today. Thanks for having me. It was great seeing you guys again or talking to you again. Uh, we're not on we're not on video phones, but no. I'm I'm looking at Tom's picture here on Skype drinking a beer. So uh, <laughs> everyone <laughs> loves that photo. That's from 2009, <laughs> but I can't change it because everyone seems to like it. What kind of beer is it? It's uh, probably a Sol or something. It was in Cozumel. Yeah, so, it looked Mexican. I wasn't yeah. sure. Yeah. It was All right. <laughs> well, thanks for having me, guys, and hopefully I'll see you at another Tbex down the line. Yeah, Absolutely. we'll be there in Girona in April, so if you're there, we might see you there. All Bye. right, cheers, Tim. Bye. Okay, it's time for... Travel Homework! Now, this is a no-brainer. Go download our book. Right? Because it's free. Because it's free! And it's five steps to kick-starting your dream lifestyle. So, I'm pretty certain everyone listening to the show wants to do that. So... If you don't... Why not? Why not? And if you read this book, you might go, Oh yeah, actually, that sounds like a really good idea. <laughs> In all seriousness, we would love you guys to go and have a read of the new book and let us know what you think. It's only about 60 pages long. We cover how to save enough money, uh, do it fast, have a financial buffer for starting your travels, how to choose the right business plan for you, how to quit your job. And when to quit. When, when is the right time? True. Is it today? Don't, no, probably no, not don't today. just walk in and tell your, your boss to shove it because that's not going to work so well. Cut back your outgoings. Go minimalist if you want to. Of course, we have, you know, Tim Leffel's book that we spoke about today, Better Life for Half the Price. That's the advanced class for the section in our book, which is all about cutting your outgoings in half. So, you know, we're going to give you all the basics and then you can decide for yourself if you want to go and get Tim's book and go real hardcore. Yeah. And just sort it out, like absolutely smash those outgoings in half. You can grab his book from 5dollarplanet.com slash betterlife. That's all one word. But we'll give you a, a quick overview in our book of these topics anyway. So you might want to read those first or you might not. It's up to you, really. Read both. I say download both. They're both awesome books. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Uh, but finally, the most important thing is uh, we explain how to grow your online income. That's what people want. You want the money so you don't have to go home. So go read the book. Get some ideas. Make some notes. Send us some questions. Yeah, just ask it. Seriously, that's why we're here. Yeah, because if there's anything you want us to feature in future shows, now's the time to do it. Because like in a year's time, when we're a much bigger podcast, we'll probably have so many emails that you won't get one in. And we might never answer your question. But right now, we're only getting like one email. Yeah, it's like crickets. No, we're not, we're not that terrible. But, no. you know. <laughs> Too many emails. But still, you know, we don't mind. We've got plenty of time to answer a few questions on the we show. We are willing to put all our other emails aside to answer your questions. Your question is that important to us, whoever you are. <laughs> Dear listener, who I don't know. Dear kitten. <laughs> Dear kitten. That's sad, we're not sponsored by them, by the way. All right, they've probably got no idea what we're talking about. Go, go to YouTube and look up Dear Kitten. Yes, I would. And then it's look hilarious. up Shark Cat on Roomba. But as soon as you've looked up Shark Cat, you also need to go to 5dollarplanet.com slash dream lifestyle, all one word as well. All of these links are going to be one word. We're making it simple for you when we do links on the show. And just grab a copy of our book for free. Have a quick read through and go, yes, I want to do this. Thanks for listening to the $5 Planet Travel Podcast. Show notes and resources for this episode are waiting for you at $5dollarplanet.com. So join us again for Money Mondays to learn how to supercharge your online income. Or for Travel Thursdays, we will help you travel like a prince on a pauper's budget. We are waiting for your comments, feedback, and $5 travel tips. So tweet us at $5 Travel with the number 5. Or email info at $5dollarplanet.com. I'm Tomo. And I'm Megzy. Catch us again on Mondays and Thursdays on the $5 Planet. Bye for now. Bye-bye.